0: Hello, everybody. Ken Krogh, Tom Harrison with Eternal Core. We're here today with Dr. Ann Tanner. We've been so excited. I don't even know if I can fully pronounce the, the degree and the background macro and micro a PhD in macro and microbiology. Is micro, right? micro, yeah. molecular. Yeah. Micro-molecular. See, I knew I, I wouldn't even make got it for the first minute you or two. You got it. It's good. I've got to abdicate right off the gate. But wow, I've, I've got a chance to get to know Anne. Um, and she has got a beautiful spirit, uh, a very piercing mind, and very humble. She keeps saying she's only going to take five minutes. Those are the kind of people we keep on for an hour, just so that you know. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a bit more about your background. What, you got, what got you into this, and, and what have been some of the course of your study?
1: Yeah, so I never actually thought I would be a scientist. So it's been, it's been quite the uh, path uh, I thought initially when I started college I was going to do nursing and so I was in pre-nursing classes and it just didn't it didn't settle with me and everyone all the time in college the first question they ask is what's your major right and every time I said nursing it just kind of it didn't feel settled um I had one of my brother's friends who was also at the university register for all of my classes one semester cause he was a super senior. So he could get hey. all of my classes really early so I could have this sweet schedule set up. He ended up dropping the classes before I could pick them up. Like the plan was that we were just gonna sit down on side by side computers and kinda, he would drop it and I would pick it up and have a smart. really good schedule. He, there was a miscommunication and he ended up dropping all the classes, but I did not pick them up. I didn't know he had dropped them. So then I was four days before the start of the semester, and I had no classes. Um, And I had this thought come, you should see if microbiology is a major. I didn't even know if it was a major. Um, And so I got online, looked up the majors at the university, and I saw, oh, it is a major. And I had had one course in microbiology. It was with a professor that I had really liked. and that course was just kind of an overview of different diseases so mm-hmm. the study of a whole bunch of diseases uh-huh. i thought it was pretty interesting um and it just it felt right and i looked at, to see what courses i needed and i could get every class at the time i needed it four days before the semester which is pretty unheard of usually usually at that point you're yeah it's over wait listing everything right and it's pretty stressful so <clears throat> Um, did that, kind of didn't look back from there. I just, I felt like that's where I needed to be. Um, I don't know that my, well, I guess I should say, say, initially it was pretty hard for me to see how my kind of God-given talents played into science because I could see a lot of my peers in in science um, had really sharp memories, really good with facts. So they could just see something, Mm -hmm. learn it, memorize it, and do well on the tests. And that's not so much how my brain works. Um, But over the years, God has been able to teach me how some of the gifts he's given me really do lend well to doing research. So it's been, it's been a, a process in getting there, but I come at it from a little bit of a different approach, I think, than yeah. some scientists.
2: Last year I found it really interesting when you and I were in Arizona together and, and we were looking at fossils and we were looking at <laughs> rocks and we were looking at the world. And it was so fun to get your, your doctoral uh, idea and take on the earth and how it was formed and... and to just understand, from your educated point of view, uh, a very different idea about how the world was formed and how it was developed, and so it was really fun to to be able to to look at those things and and interact with those things and find out, you know, your take on that from an educated point of view. So that was that was a really fun experience for me to have that opportunity.
1: Yeah, that was a great trip.
2: So when when you think of science, when you, before you got your PhD, did you think of a scientist differently than you do now? How has that changed in your mind of, of how you saw a scientist <laughs> then and how you see one now? Could you talk about that? Yeah,
1: that is an interesting question. So. I think pre being a scientist, I would think about it more as kind of the general public view scientists. Right. Um, they're so smart, right? Oh wow, you have a PhD, you're so smart. And you study this, like I, don't, I can't even pronounce what yeah. you're talking about. Which right. I couldn't, right.
0: right at the beginning. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but that's just kind of the, I think that's a little bit of the mentality of people outside of science where there's this reverence almost, and this great respect and kind of deference for scientists. And I think that's one of the things that needs to change, honestly. Um, And that's one of the things that's changed for me, having gotten a lot more into the field, um, is scientists are people. Right? right. These are the people that you went to high school with. Right. These are your next door neighbors. Right. These are the people that live in your community. They're not superheroes. We don't wear capes. I, I may have left mine at home, right? <laughs> we're, we're just people and we can make mistakes. We don't have a corner on the market of truth, right? Yeah. And so I think there's often too much deference given to a scientist and then to science where science takes on almost this like entity it becomes an entity right it, yes. be- it takes on this identity of its right. own way right science is what a scientist creates right. right right so that's like what i create my ideas uh-huh. can become science right whereas your ideas are like the ideas of a therapist right right, right. And because my ideas can become science, now they've moved into kind of this almost protected sphere. Right. Of you can't argue with science, yeah. right? right? And it's like, but can you? Like, can't you? Right? That's
0: the whole point, isn't it? Right.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
2: At the university during my graduate studies, I found it very difficult that many of my colleagues and many of the individuals that I was studying with and uh, then later teaching thought they had to have the right answer for anything and that you never could say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But I look at science as we only know what we know and why we do good science is to find out what we don't know and to understand what... um, hypotheses maybe you're not accurate or or maybe what we thought was going to be the outcome is certainly not the outcome and I found that really exciting to be able to say okay I know this much about this but boy when I get over here into this realm I don't know a lot about that and so I'm only guessing and it's it's difficult to then try and portray which I think many scientists do, inappropriately, they try and pretend like they have that down or they understand that, where I think it's much more appropriate to stay within the framework of what you know from what you figured out or or what you've done the science on. Any comments on that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's true just going back to it. Like, people hear that I have a PhD and then they'll start asking me about stuff yeah. that I have no idea about right I haven't studied it, right. but they automatically assume that I am going to know. Do
2: you know everything right. about everything? Yeah. Right Any, yeah, it's ridiculous. I'm like yeah.
1: no, right. you know like right. this isn't how it is. but right. if I wanted to, and sometimes I like to mess around with people a little, I could be like, "Oh, yeah, <laughs> like and just go off and like make something up <laughs> you know and then I'll start laughing and be yeah. like, that's not true. Right. Like right. I just made that up, you know right but people will believe me but for that's the most always part. been
2: your strong su- suit to be able to mess with people <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's yeah. exactly it's kind of fun though
1: um, but yeah i think i mean i just i see that a lot and you mentioned we only know what we know right and i think even that i think a lot of what we know in science is not what we know yeah right?
2: well, well i look back at at all those years of undergraduate and graduate school, and as I said once in an earlier podcast, I think of what I learned about the brain when I was going through school, I've had to forget about eighty percent of that or maybe yeah. even eighty six percent because it's just not accurate anymore. you know what what we were told about the brain in the seventies and the eighties now that we have all these mechanisms to understand it much. Much better than we did then. We still understand such a minuscule amount about it, but what we understand now about it is much more helpful than what we did, what we did before. Because most of it then was just theory. You know, we we just supposed, right. and you know, it's I, I. That's one thing I love about science, is we're continually moving forward and developing and learning new things, and and. Uh, you know it's like the brain what we're learning about the brain is that the brain is wonderfully plastic that 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 it can change and it does change over time and that doesn't mean that it's made out of plastic material yeah. <laughs> but it it's it's malleable and it, it you know that we can add new things to it and 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 we can stretch it and move it to function in different ways and that's one thing I love about you Anne is your capacity to have that inquisitive nature of, let's see what we can find. Or one thing I really love about you is the willingness to say, this could be a possibility, even when maybe some of your colleagues might say, no, we're not going there. You say, no, I want to go there. I want to discover what those microphases do or what this does or what's going on.
0: Tell us a little bit about the journey you've been on recently. Some of the Research you've been doing has been pretty groundbreaking. Can you might give us an overview, of some of the things, you, the questions you've been asking, and the work you've been doing?
1: Um, so I've done I've done some work on HIV. I'm still trying to do a little bit more work on that. I've designed a few experiments that I'd like to finish up. Um, I've also been working with phage therapy, which phages—it's P-H-A-G-E-S. It's P-H-A-G-E-S. Um, those are viruses that kill bacteria. Wow! So working on that as a an like alternative. Like keep seeking missiles, huh? Exactly. Whoa. This is kind of like God's God's solution for um, antibiotic-resistant infections. Wow! To some extent. So yeah, that's big. And the, and
2: the research on that—we're finding more and more that antibiotics. We're not the wonderful panacea that we thought they were, and that they're really creating a a real mix and a real mess. So this is excellent research.
1: Yeah. So antibiotics. I mean, it's right. We're finding more and more. I have a good friend who's doing a postdoc on this very topic. That I'm reading a paper of hers right now. But the gut microbiome is is uh, very important to our health. Right. And so, taking antibiotics that are kind of like a bomb, and just kind of
2: you destroy you them.
1: really mess up your gut uh, microbiome, and it's going to affect your health in a lot of different ways. And phages are interesting; they're kind of like a they're kind of like a sniper rifle instead of a bomb, where you can target specific strains of bacteria, and they're very specific to what they can hit and what they. Can't, there's some that are a little bit more broad, but most of them are pretty specific, and phages also cannot infect human cells, so it's an interesting, like we all have phages in us right now, Right. and we're doing fine, yeah. um, so it's an interesting option for therapy that we're still working on. So i
2: so hoping that maybe we can find a link to creating those phages that would go in and and destroy this without damaging anything else. Leaving everything else alone, yeah. Wouldn't that be lovely? Yeah. It would certainly be a a better movement than just bombing everything and killing everything and then hoping that maybe we can restore what we've just damaged.
1: Which is actually, yeah, it's pretty tough in some instances. People actually experience worse problems from the antibiotics sometimes than they do from... The disease they were
2: trying to treat. Well, it's interesting to realize the connection between antibiotic treatment and also the brain, because they found that there's some damage that takes place in the brain, that there's this amazing uh, brain gut connection mm-hmm. that anytime that's not working well, it affects this not working well too. Right. And, you know, that's something that, from my point of view, I find fascinating. That you know when we when we do some major damage to our, our gut flora and 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 that whole environment that whole ecosystem, we also are damaging how our brain can function and and uh, diminishing its appropriate functioning.
1: Definitely, and I think if you pay attention to what you're eating, you'll notice. You'll be able to pick up on it. If you are eating healthy and you're eating kind of whole foods, you'll you'll be more steady. You'll feel just better. Right. And when you're eating maybe more sugars, it depends. Each person is different, right? So different foods are going to affect you differently. Right. Um, for me, it's sugar. If I eat sugar, I'm way more all over the place just with emotions. And, you know, if I can eat healthy, like there's definitely the brain-gut connection where... Yeah.
2: I think a lot of people think, well, there's sugar in everything, and then the body breaks everything down to sugars, so sugar's great, you know, just keep pounding sugar, (laughs) but they really don't understand uh, that whole biological connection between how the body deals with all of that fructose and sugar and and corn syrup that we put ourselves in and yeah,
0: very different you know c- bouncing back from this accident i've been through about three years ago my health my weight everything all over the map and i and i felt really strong i needed to research sugar and there's an amazing book called the case against sugar now i'm i uh, revealing my bias a little bit i love sugar don't get me wrong i'm like oh my gosh 50 pounds ago i i loved sugar <laughs> but uh but i've been amazed as, at the sugar industry from a business perspective and the amazing amount of marketing and, 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 and cross-marketing between almost every industry. I mean, you can't buy meat, you can't buy bread without added sugar. And I'm talking refined, crystallized sugar. I'm amazed at the 50 or 60 names that the marketing department has come up. I, I, I love to go crazy, on, yeah. and find out pure cane, you know, Maltros, Dextros, anything. You know, There's like 50-some-odd names for sugar instead of just calling it sugar. And that, that's marketing. That's my room. I know that. And so to help, to help us understand where, you know, where we're going uh, with this, to me, the, the sugar industry is, is sort of the same path we're talking about. In fact, the main thesis of this book, The Case Against Sugar, is that sugar's a drug. Sugar is a refined drug with effects very similar. And, and um, it's not, at least refined sugar, a food. Now, the good news is for people who love sugar like me, it acts like a food, but it does things to you like drugs do. That was eye-opening to me. Now, I haven't broken my my long-term addiction. I can break it in three days, and I'm off sugar again. And right. and then I even learned to like avocados because they keep me away from sugar. But But to me, that's incredible. The amount of research that goes in from a scientific perspective that ends up becoming a marketing tool, you know, the 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 addictiveness of sugar and so on i mean now i'm going to shift gears a little bit though cuz i that was my high horse for just a minute there our whole initial conversation you you kept bringing up god you, you're willing to talk about god as a scientist that's that's pretty rare i mean the whole peer review model doesn't really allow god into into the published journals have you found that to be a factor as you've as you've been going through your studies that That your own personal values might not be able to be, you know, published in a journal and mentioned and
1: So I kind of just have decided I don't care.
0: Good. Wow. (laughs) Rarity.
1: Because who's more important, right? Yeah. Is it more important to to be on God's side or have people kind of be like, wow, that's that's kinda weird that you're mentioning that, you know, or that you're putting that in there, that you're talking about God in a scientific lecture, right? That's
2: unusual.
1: It it's is. like, Yeah. It is a little unusual.
2: Well, if he's the creator of the universe, I think we need to include him it a little more. It shouldn't be you unusual. Know, <laughs> you know, yeah. Because if we include him, then I think we are open to understanding things that we, we don't usually understand. I mean, I think of the scripture, you know, my may- ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts for the heaven is higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. You know, the bottom line here is the capacity to allow our minds, no matter how much education we've had, to realize that there is someone who knows a lot more than we do, and that there was a creator that had a great deal to do with things, and when we include that, then maybe we can focus our research and our science in a more appropriate way, than just leaving him out.
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, that's, I think that's what we need to do, right? If we're gonna get anywhere in science, science is so broad, right? It's so broad. And as a scientist, you can go millions of directions, right? You can decide to look at a certain thing and you're coming up with your design and you start looking at it and you're gonna, you know, you can like figure some things out but you may be interpreting it a totally wrong way, right? For the longest time, we thought bacteria are just bad, 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 Yeah. right? Because they make us sick and they're bad. Now we see, wow, bacteria we couldn't live without, right? Yeah. So that whole paradigm has shifted.
2: Yeah, they're nice parasites to have on board, <laughs> right? <laughs> they will keep you yeah, alive. They will keep you alive. They make right. you healthy right. mentally right. and physically, they do,
1: right? Yes. So. That I think is one of the huge issues in science right now is we get really fixated on things that we know, right? To be true in science, that just aren't true or that we're interpreting incorrectly. And that's a huge problem because it keeps us, it keeps us from actually understanding and actually using it in the way that we want to, which is to help people, help sick people get better And the only way to do that, that I can figure out is through God. God knows he invented it. He can teach us whatever he wants to teach us. It's just a matter of us getting to a place where we're ready and prepared to learn what he has for us to learn. And be in a place where, unfortunately, like I think a lot of the time, We need to make money to live, right? But I think too often it becomes like we we have a discovery or we have like a little, we make some progress on something. And then what do we do? We like patent it, get it tied down. No one else can use it. And then we want to make money on it, Right. right? And lots of money. And like, it's fine to make money on stuff, but to make it so that, people who need, people who actually need these treatments and who actually need the science behind what you're doing can afford it and can have access to access to it. Like that's my goal as a scientist yeah. is to be able to make discoveries that will help sick people get better and that sick people have yeah. access to, right? right? Yeah. But I also just think it's it's hard to tease away that, once you get money involved, oh, then I feel like the science gets affected, and you're gonna yeah. say and do things That's true.
0: that may not You know, I have several friends that uh, I remember coming out of school, and we all said, "What are you gonna do?" You know, and I would say, "Well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go into the software and be an entrepreneur." And they said, well, "I'm gonna go be a doctor. I'm gonna be a chiropractor." And, and they all started with this beautiful viewpoint that we're gonna go do good in the world. Mm-hmm. And then a few years into it, you know, I went into marketing and sales and I get calls from them all. How do I sell more? How do I make more money? How do I keep my practice alive? How do I, how do I expand my business? How do I go find car accidents, you know, people who suffer because they make me $6,000 instead of two or $300? Yeah. And, and, and you're right, the, the model, um, that, that early ideology sometimes suffers when, when we get stuck in the, in, in the law of the jungle the the world of business, Mm -hmm. and we forget why we started sometimes. Do you see that happening out there?
1: Uh, Yeah, for sure. And that's just, it's a hard thing. Like, you have to be really vigilant to try and steer clear of that because you just get dollar signs in the eyes because you can see, wow, this could be worth a lot of money, right? Yeah. And you have to, you have to like constantly put that aside and be like, "That's not why I'm in this."
2: Because then science can be driven by the money. Then I the mean, science is not right. going
1: to be good, right. right? There's the temptation now that you're going to tweak and right. discard certain right, truths And
2: medicine has learned from very sad experience that you know, if you kill all the bacteria, then you know, then we've created these superbugs. Mm-hmm. And uh, now we have a whole different problem to deal with instead of realizing that bacteria is good and and there's a healthy process to it. Um, I've, I really enjoy the idea of understanding that science can also have a God-centric structure. And we appreciate so much your willingness to come and and just share that point of view with us to help people uh, see that that the eternal core, God-centric mental health, is also a God-centric way of living of of understanding that when we bring Him in, we are not limiting ourselves. I've had many people, you know, over the years when I've spoken at conferences, say, "Boy, you know, how can you?" Have all these things that you don't drink and that you don't do? Doesn't that really limit you? You know. And I thought, no, it really expands me because I am not occupied with all this structure, and my mind and my ability can move into other things instead of be occupied by all these other structures.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And I, I, I don't see it as, as all as a, at all as a limiting structure. I see it as an expanding structure when we include God in our concepts and in our theory.
1: Yeah, definitely. I agree with you. I think having God in science, I, I just see a lot of the time that we'd kind of do this, right? right. God can be over with religion right. right? and then science will be over here. Almost like right? the outhouse
2: in the backyard, you <laughs> yeah. know, that we'll go there on Sunday, but then don't bring them into the Yeah, wild. they're just, they're yeah.
1: separate. Like you can have him over there but like don't bring him over here because science is science and you can't argue with science right yeah when if you remember where does science come from totally the scientist right Right. and you can argue with the person and who's the chief scientist exactly (laughs) so if we could if we could kind of merge it back so it's god and science I, i just
0: moved into a new home and uh, we, you know, the homeowner came by one day, and he says, you're going to need these. I says, what are they? They were big blue pieces of paper. He says, these are the blueprints for this house. I'm like, whoa. And he said, "And here's a whole nother set for an add-on that I was going to do. I paid all the money. They were ready to go. They even got the engineering stamp That's ready awesome. to go. I opened them up, and all of a sudden, it, it, it was so much easier for me to envision creating something new with the house I had. Beautiful. Have, have you found God has left you some blueprints? Has He, has He, you know, as you as you delve into something, all of a sudden the, the structure sort of opens up. Oh, wow! This is something that, that's a little bit more than I presupposed. Do you ever find little signs along the way that He might have left you some clues? Yes.
1: Yeah, so there's been moments for sure where I've had a I've had a hypothesis about something, and you have to make them right. Yeah. If you're gonna if you're gonna do an experiment, you got to make your design and have something that you're looking for and testing for. But to be able to keep an open enough mind that you can you can go like somewhere else if he's taking you there. And I've had moments like that where you know, I've been looking at something, I've been looking for something, but then I found something else, right? And it's it's fascinating, right? Because you're like, wow. And I, and you feel like you feel in those moments where you're being led and guided, and you realize there's so much more. Right. There's so much yeah, more just this to us. to what we're looking into than what I previously thought. Right. Because our right. our minds are so finite. Right. We think we're so smart sometimes, but <laughs> we're just not. Right. And God knows everything. Right. And He can He can give us you know inspiration, where our minds can be expanded in a way where we can start to consider other ideas and then things open up and we can start to look in different ways and in different places.
2: That's beautiful. I found that in my clinical practice. If I became too rigid and focused in what I wanted, then often what happened is there wasn't that creativity. But if I would bring him into that and ask him to please help me see these individuals as he saw them, (laughs) Then, then the therapeutic hour could just be this wonderful discovery, and we would discover together. So I always tried to be flexible in that hour to allow that voice, allow that information in, and not become too rigid in where I, as the clinician, thought we should go, but opening it to where he thought we should go mm-hmm. and what was the most beneficial.
1: Yeah, I love that you were discovering together right
2: well i think that's that's how he does it he wants us to learn together and he allows us into that structure
0: now we're excited everybody ann's going to be joining us uh, march 29th and 30th the little america hotel for the, the launch event of eternal core where our community comes together both online and live and um 've we've, we've got her scheduled to speak. you might just give us a couple of clues some of the things you're going to be talking about.
1: Um, we'll be talking about some of this. So my topic is God, the master scientist. Wow. And going into a little more depth on some of these theories that we've accepted for so long as fact, and this is how it is, where really they may not. They may not be Oh, well, You're going
0: to stir the pot a little bit. You're willing to do that. <laughs> Aren't you excited <laughs> yeah, about that? Yeah, I'm in for that one. I'm excited. This Whoa. is going to be really fun. Okay. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ann, so much. Yeah, thanks for uh, having appreciate me. Appreciate you joining us. Again, uh, join us March 29th and 30th at the Little America Hotel. Friday day, Friday night, and Saturday we're going to launch this thing, and, and you're going to be joining us during these podcasts. We're going to meet a lot of our speakers. We're bringing a lot of other authors and so on to talk about eternal core exploring God-centric mental health. Come
2: meet Dr. Tanner in person.